BTF and Vanessa Ryle here to go over all of the European contenders at this year's Breeders' Cup. Vanessa, give us the overview of the team as a whole. Overview of the team as a whole, I would say, I personally viewing it not as strong as previous years that's my gut instinct having looked obviously at the pre-entries which is what we've got at this stage what we're going to do here is skim through pretty much every horse that's running um in terms of coming over from europe and we will be getting into so much more detail on these horses in the coming weeks but we'll just give viewers and listeners i think a skim over of the sort of horses that are coming over and their relative chances. But as a whole, strong big contingent from O'Brien, as you'd expect. Lesser contingent from Appleby, as we feared due to the year that he's had. That's Charlie Appleby. And then we've got a couple of Breeders' Cup first-timers, which will add a good bit of sort of media interest with the likes of Mick Appleby and Adam West with a run over a piece and obviously their first time at a Breeders' Cup. So there's some interest there. But is it the deepest, strongest team we've ever brought over? I wouldn't say so. How about in terms of the tail of the tape? Any specifics on the numbers? In terms of the numbers, I think we're around the 40 marker for the European contingent. Um, 40 individual horses coming over from Europe. So that's France, Ireland and England. Um, from roughly 15, 16 different trainers. And when you're looking at the likes of Aidan, for example, he has, I think, about 15, 16 entries, individual horses entered. These are rough numbers because obviously we have we have got the entries through at this stage, but we're not entirely sure what if everything is going to run from those sort of yards. But then you've got the likes of Jesse Harrington, Ado McGuinness, Adrian Murray, couple from France, Archie Watson and Rafe Beckett. They've all got entries with one or two horses apiece. So interest across the board, just don't, just fear it's not our strongest ever team. The exception to that might be the turf. We'll get to that and all of these races in just a second. Just want to let people know there's going to be so much more content on the In The Money Media YouTube channel. Leave us a comment and let us know which European runners you're the most excited to see. You can also get more in terms of podcast content over at uh, InTheMoneyPodcast.com or wherever you get your shows. And we'll also be doing stuff for our pals at AtTheRaces.com. We'll start with the turf sprint and the runner who's at the top of the market right now. What can you tell us about Big Evs? Well, Big Evs is, as the aforementioned Mick Appleby's first ever Breeders' Cup runner. Um, he's Mick Appleby is no relation to Charlie Appleby, if anybody out there is wondering. Just bear that in mind. Um, and this horse has been a crack two-year-old for him. And he's your typical very fast five furlong specialist essentially he's three from five he bolted up in the flying children's at Doncaster over five furlongs that day watch it back I mean he just wins the race at the start and then puts their pressure on throughout and nothing ever looked like catching him it was a phenomenal performance that was on soft ground he has disappointed against his elders at York but he bolted up in the Molcombe at Goodwood and he's won at Royal Ascot as well he beat Johannes Bramus uh, that day who's got an entry at the Breeders' Cup as well. This horse, Big Ebbs, he's he's just a, an out-and-out five-furlong specialist. 
Um, they've brought a starting bell back from America to try and get him used to that, but he's already an electric starter. And Mick Appleby is an extraordinary trainer. He's done it the hard way with basically horses of a pretty low level that he's managed to get to winning at higher levels. But this horse in Big Evs was a star crack two-year-old from the start. And will he cope with Santa Anita? I think he will. Yeah, never been around a bend. I mean, what what's your gut about that? Anything in the in the action or anything that suggests that uh, that that will be uh, agreeable to to him in terms of the USA conditions? I don't think it'll be in any way an issue for him. I don't envisage it being an issue for him. I think they've taken him, and when we talk about him later, the older sprinter Brad Sell as well, Archie Watson's runner in the Breeders' Cup Turf Sprint. Um, I'm sure I heard somewhere that they're not trained by the same people, by the way, but just in terms of sprinters coming over, there was talk about Big Evs going for a gallops at a track so that he could gallop round a bend. And I know that they've done that with Brad Sell. So no stone will have been left unturned with these European horses coming over for these sprints. Uh, the bell, the taking them to gallop at a track round a bend, all of that stuff will have been taken into consideration. It's interesting because as much success as the European contingent has always had, I feel like the training methods as time goes on just get better and better. Just different things happening, getting in earlier, more uh, little tricks and, and quite literally bells and, and whistles to, to get the team even stronger. It's a scary thought for American turf horses trying to, trying to compete, though I do think sprints are certainly one of the areas where, where they have that opportunity to, to compete. So in terms of form figures, Big Evs is, I think, far and away the, the best of the ones coming over. In terms of speed figures, and we'll have a whole thing about these Euros and what speed figures we expect them to run based on their times in the European races. We'll have that behind the paywall. Uh, in the moneypodcast.com slash plus team, including uh, Stephen Bonnick and Rob Dove, one of the top 10 pro punters in the UK today. We'll be putting that together. But I thought it was interesting in this race, particularly just looking at some of their early work, that speed figure-wise, Big Evs doesn't have that much in hand over the likes of uh, of Pearls and Rubies or, or, or uh, Cherry Blossom. So I, I was curious to know, how do you think the rest, maybe we'll rattle through quickly uh, in the interest of time, but the rest of the European turf, uh, juvenile turf sprint contenders how do they compare do you think would you give them a chance um yeah i mean you couldn't discount them obviously we've seen aiden o'brien do what he's done before over there with horses that we have discounted in certain races and then you know he's he's got the best out of them for the for the breeders cup cherry blossom and pearls and rubies both trained by aiden um cherry blossom has just the one win to her name she is she won a curra maiden she's finished fourth in the chiefly park of late that was over the six furlongs behind porta fortuna who's stepping up in trip we'll talk about her later Cherry Blossom's basically consistent, but stepping down to five furlongs is the question mark with her. And as for Pearls and Rubies, again, a bit of a trip question mark. She hasn't won since her debut win in June. She's had five runs since, and they've all been over further than this. And that includes running Porta Fortuna to, in second place in that Cheveley Park. Now, she'll be dropping back down to the five again. She's back on good ground, Pearls and Rubies, which will definitely be a positive for her. And of the two of them, of those two Aidan O'Brien horses anyway, she'd be the preference over Cherry Blossom. Then elsewhere, you've got Give Me the Beat Boys, who 
um, for the Jesse Harrington yard. Again, dropping down in trip has shown good um, form over further. The six furlongs in the Phoenix and has run in the Middle Park as well. That was recently over six furlongs. It's never run over the five furlongs before. Uh, this horse is the one that cost an awful lot of money pre the Royal Ascot sale. Uh, he won twice earlier in the season and then he cost a lot of money. He went to the Coventry. He ran a good fourth that day. But um, form might have just petered off a little bit and the five furlongs is a question. A couple of horses that the five furlongs isn't a question for in here. Tiger Bell for Aidan McGuinness is a, would be a five furlong specialist, that filly. She's three from five and her three wins have all come over the five furlongs. She won in France back in August. She's been off since. She's got a sort of speed on speed pedigree. And um, she her group win was on soft ground, but she's won on good ground before. So I don't think that'll be a factor. Valiant Force is Aidan Murray's horse in there for Ammo Racing. Big horse for the Ammo team because he gave them their first Royal Ascot win in the five furlong Norfolk. Has disappointed in, on soft ground in France over six since. But back down to five would be a positive and the fast ground will be a positive. Um, I think they'll run because isn't that a win and you're in horse? I think it is. And then Donica has Ashin, is it? I think it is. The filly in here who's recently changed hands, was owned by his mother, I think bred by her as well, and has recently changed hands into American ownership with the Commonwealth team. Uh, she got her act together over five furlongs on good ground, and then she became unstuck on soft ground at Newmarket in her most recent run. But the trip and ground will be a positive and Donica's two-year-olds this season have been something to note. 13 two-year-old winners in Ireland, two in the UK with Porta Fortuna. Um, so she would be noteworthy specifically in those new colours. Then a bit of a mention to Starlust for Rafe Beckett, who the trip, I think, would be the question mark there. All three of her wins have come, all three of his wins have come on the all-weather and over six furlongs. So turf and five would be a question mark. Some of these are buried on the AEs. Obviously, as the week goes on, we'll have final uh, past performances and know exactly who's running where, and we'll get a little bit more into specifics. But just in terms of you know your general thought about the juvenile turf sprint and Europe's chance of winning it, they won it for the first time last year. Uh, are you are you bullish on the foreign contingent? And it, and is it Big Evs you'd be more focused on, or or do you think you can cast a bit of a wider net? Uh, definitely Big Ev's the focus. I was blown away with what he did at Doncaster, but I'm not confident. I just never feel confident with that. I know, I know we've obviously won sprint races over there, but I just never feel that confident about sprinters in America. And even though he's been a weapon this season, I think this this is a whole this could be a whole nother level. We'll see how it plays out. We'll talk about it more as the week goes on. Let's go to the juvenile Phillies turf. And let's start this conversation with Porta Fortuna for our friends at uh, Medallion Racing and their partners. As mentioned, uh, did very well in the Chiefly Park, going uh, going the six furlongs over a pretty uh, very good ground, really, and just looks like one to me. Uh, the kind of horse when when you get the six furlongs on the straight in Europe, usually the two turns of the the mile, the mile and a sixteenth, are within the grasp. How serious of a contender is Porta Fortuna to you? Oh, she's been such a consistent horse this year and a really consistent and important horse for Dunica. Obviously a young trainer and he's making a name for himself with his two-year-olds. And this is was his first Royal Ascot winner. 
and it could be his first Breeders' Cup winner, which obviously would be huge for a family, you know, from a family who has huge history with the Breeders' Cup. Um, so, yeah, she's been a star for the yard. She's four from six. That includes, as you say, that recent Group 1 Chiefly Park over six furlongs. She also won the Albany at Royal Ascot over the six. This mile, I mean, will that suit is the question mark. She's run a solid effort over seven in the past, Um that was in the Moy glare. That was a decent effort from her. So that and the way in which she finishes over six suggests that you would hope that this trip will be fine for her. Good ground is definitely a positive. I think she should be able to, you know, she's not, she's definitely not a in any way a big filly. She's quite an athletic filly. I think that she'll be able to cope with the track absolutely fine. And this Breeders' Cup race was already discussed pre the Cheveley Park win. So, the Chief, you know, this was very much on the agenda to step up to the mile at Santa Anita because of those American connections before she won um, at Newmarket. And then, obviously, that was a massive Group 1 bonus. And now they, they'll they be putting her on the plane. And as long as she travels, like, she's just been so consistent. There's nothing about her track or ground, obviously, that trip as discussed. But there's nothing about her that you could confidently write a line through her, I don't think. So she has to stay on the on list, doesn't she? And I like the idea that this is no kind of afterthought. Definitely a race that was uh, in the mm. back of the mind, at least, from a long way out. Been a lot of money for Carla's way uh, since I saw the betting open. This one successful last time in the win and you're in action in the Rockfell at Newmarket and has a couple of really nice races going seven and looks poised maybe to go a little bit farther for Simon Christopher. What do you make of Carla Way's chance in here? Yeah, Simon and Ed Christopher, like I said at the top of the show, two bullets to fire, and this is one of them, two good chances. When she won the rock fell, there was a couple of hard luck stories in behind, uh, specifically with Oli Sangster Shawari. Um, but that was seven furlongs on good to firm ground. She's going to step up and trip here, but obviously getting the seven, you'd hope that she'll get the eight here absolutely fine. Uh, very gettable there at Santa Anita. Good ground, also a positive for her. She's a very smooth mover. And the Crisfords have, have always been, you know, a, a trading operation who are very much open to big international campaigns. So, again, I don't, you know, the Rockfell was a good few weeks away by the time the Breeders' Cup comes around. And I think she will have been very much, as you say, it's not an afterthought with her. It'll be... Um, you know, I think, uh, yes, she won a win in your in race, but she's had plenty of time to train for this. And they would be open to these sort of races with these with horses that can travel. Um, so, yeah, I was taken with her Rockfell win, despite the fact you can make excuses for some in behind. She got the job done on the day and stepping up in trip won't be an issue for her. How about one who's already proven going the mile and proven going left-handed? That's, uh, I'm not sure if they say content or content for this Aiden O'Brien filly by uh, Galileo. Is she a serious contender? Well, I personally don't think so. She's obviously a very much a confirmed European miler, but is she going to appreciate the mile at Santa Anita is a different thing altogether. She won her latest group three that was on soft ground at 20 to one. It's not often you see an Aiden O'Brien horse like with you know a two-year-old in a group race winning at 20 to one, really. Um that was on she she won the She's got she's got form on good ground and soft ground, so she is she is ground versatile. 
but she's by Galileo and she's out of a bit of a speedier type in Mecca's Angel. Um, Aiden kind of, you know, Aiden's got a crack two-year-old team this year and this is what he's landed on for this race. So that in itself makes her interesting, but she wouldn't be, you know, she wouldn't be in the top start. She wouldn't be on the starting sheet, I don't think, back home. Um, but it's just inter I find it very interesting that she's the one that Aiden's landed on for this race. I'm curious to clap eyes on her out there. A lot of times in these two-turn um, fast ground turf races, you, I, I tend to be biased towards uh, the ones that we talked about uh, earlier in the segment on the Juvenile Phillies turf, the ones, the speedy types stretching out as opposed to one that seemed to need all of the, the, the mile to really show the best form. They can sometimes be a little too galloping to be suited by the USA configuration. Obviously, there is speed on the dam side. So I, I'm, I'm curious, but I, I think I share your, your skepticism, at least relative to the rest of the strong international contingent. One that doesn't fit neatly into the European shipper candidate because we're dealing with a private purchase, but I feel like I should ask you about Lalne now going out for Phil D'Amato. Has the kind of group two, group three form in France that usually uh, portends well for a horse shipping over for normal American stakes racing, even at the grade one level. But I'm not sure how this form stacks up in terms of a Breeders' Cup. Am I uh, perhaps underrating Laume in this spot? Well, yeah, she was trained by Jan Barbaro, who's had a fantastic season over in France. Um, as you say, now with um, now now in America, but she won three on the bounce in France. That included a Group Three on soft ground. She as well has never tried the mile, but that you know shouldn't be too much of an issue. But she's never run on good ground. She's been running on the French softer ground, which you know. I, I don't know. I haven't seen enough of her to know if she would be a horse that we would be confident would take to Santa Anita. But the fact that she's been, she's not just shipping in, she's a she's a long-time stayer um, is interesting because they obviously think that there's races to be won with her in America. So on that basis, you'd have to trust that those around her think that she will be suited to American racing and Santa Anita in the short term. Definitely makes her interesting, but on all known base level form, she'd have to step up. It was long rumored, more than rumored, even listed on the Breeders' Cup website that Opera Singer was going to be making the trip over for this race. That did not happen, but Opera Singer's form lines are represented by Le Pavot for our friends at Glen Hill Farm and their partners. This is what I'm very curious to get your opinion on because I, I was a bit taken by the run in the in the Boussac in, in, on, uh, on Arc Weekend. How serious of a contender is Le Pavot? Well, the thing is with the Boussac is it was hard to get away from opera singer, wasn't it? As in she won so impressively. And I honestly, I think it was, was it you I was talking to where we watched, I was saying that, you know, the more you watch it back, the more you were just like wowed by opera singer in that French race. And the fact that she's not showing up here and that content is the Aidan O'Brien representative representative as already discussed is a little bit disappointing I guess um in terms of the form in behind um Graffin was saying to me when I saw him at did I tell you this already I saw him at the sales no. 
and he was very disappointed with his runners as a whole over um, at Longchamp on Art Weekend. And I think Le Pavot was a horse who, in his head, um, he was, you know, he definitely was disappointed with. But I was trying to say that he'd seemingly bumped into a bit of a monster in Opera Singer. But the right. fact that I was so disappointed, does that mean that there is more to come from her? That's what I was left wondering, I guess. It's an interesting question, and and you know never been never been left-handed, never been on uh, never been on this kind of ground. There's a lot of questions, but pedigree-wise, seems like one that I you know my gut tells me could be suited. Another one we'll have to keep a very close eye out for um, when it comes to uh, when it comes to looking at these horses next weekend. And again, between the stuff we're doing for attheraces.com and stuff you can find on our you know you'll find on our YouTube channel as well, we're gonna have a lot more clues. As we get closer, one more race on Friday we're going to talk about, and that's the the juvenile turf. Who do you want to start the conversation with in here? Seems like another uh, uh, pretty deep contingent. Yeah, um, this is very much Aidan O'Brien focused, really, isn't it? Um, in the sense of River Tiber, unquestionable. Johannes Brahms has an entry as well, but he also has an entry uh, on the dirt, actually. Um, so River Tiber and Unquestionable are the Aidan O'Brien focus points, probably. River Tiber, we'd better start with him. I mean, he blew loads of people away in the early start of the season. Real sort of precocious, early, impressive, eye-catching type. Three wins on the bounce. Then he went to the Covent. He won. He wrapped that up by winning the Coventry over the six furlongs. Um, the Group 1 starts of late, like... They've been a little disappointing. He got a bit lit up in the middle park when he ran over the six furlongs when we last saw him. He's stepping up to the mile here, which I am intrigued about with him. Um, if he's going to, I think you just want to see him settle in his races a little bit more, maybe. Um, I don't know. I, I feel like the latest run from him wasn't a true running for River Tiber. And I'm definitely not giving up on him yet. I think I'm still, I still have in my head what he was doing in the midsummer that hasn't left my mind yet. And just because we haven't quite seen that of him more recently, I think it's probably still in there. And then, and then Aiden's got Unquestionable, who is a cult who's so likable. He's just got the one win to his name, but he's been so consistent and he ties in with form from the best two year olds around in Europe, the likes of Rosalian and Bucanero Fuerte as well. Um, he comes here off the back of a solid run at Longchamp. That obviously was over the seven furlongs and he'd be stepping up to the mile. That won't be a problem for him. I think that'll just be fine for him. And the good ground will be a positive for Unquestionable as well. And in terms of like consistency, he'll show up, you know, he'll, I'd be confident he'll run his race. Both, both of those Aiden O'Brien runners being by uh, Wooten Bassett feels significant to me in terms of, you know, maybe something strategic to send two such strong runners to the same race, maybe really looking to uh, further bolster their, their, their stallion. What does that narrative make sense? What, what are sort of the, the scuttlebutt around Wooten Bassett's at the sales right now? Yeah, I mean, they flew off the shelf at the European sales, um, the European yearling sales. He's just continuing on the rise, Wooten Bassett, as a stallion. And, you know, he can he can inject a bit of speed as well as a bit of stamina. He's a real kind of all-round. Um, he, he's, you know, his, his horses have 
plenty of options. They're not just pigeonholed as one thing or another. Um, so they remain. It, he remains a very important to the Coolmore operation. And these two-year-olds will be, you know, these sort of horses, of course it's important. And, of course, they want to support their own stallions. And, yeah. I, I I don't know if there'll be I wouldn't I wouldn't have put the I wouldn't have put the two angles together. I'd say it's more coincidence that it's these two that just happen to be by Wooden Bassett, but that would just be my that's just my opinion. Interesting. Although I mean I do think from a business point of view, featuring such an exciting up and coming stallion in front of the US breeding industry on this big stage. Um it, it just it's an interesting bloodstock uh, storyline should they should they run well and you know on the known form i feel like they could run one two one quick question about river tiber before we move on just curious you know from for the uninitiated uh who are watching how good is van deek who beat river tiber the last two times oh van deek won the middle park i adore this horse this was that was the very good weekend for the Crisfords because they won the group one with Van Deek and they won the race the day before with Carla's Way. So they had a cracking two-year-old weekend in Newmarket. Um, yeah, Van Deek, he's just proved to be a bit of a revelation this year and he's been a very hard nut for anyone to crack. He came from the breeze up sales, so he was like very precocious and professional from an early stage, which I think has helped him this year. I'll be intrigued to see if he develops on as a three-year-old or whether things, horses, other horses progress past him. But in the meantime, what he did in the middle part was is so impressive. And that's why I'm sort of relatively forgiving of River Tiber that day. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. Let's talk about another Aiden O'Brien runner, Mountain Bear, little sneak preview um, when we talk about the figure conversion stuff that we're going to have. Um, as part of our In The Money Plus package, inthemoneypodcast.com slash plus, if folks want to check that out. But uh, Mountain Bear's figure in the star appeal at uh, Dundalk, very strong, very competitive. And even though the form obviously is behind that of the stablemates, this is the kind of form that we've seen win average runnings of the juvenile turf. This is probably an above average running of the juvenile turf, but I'm, I'm, I keep coming back to mountain bear as one with, with a possibility in this spot, you know, based on the left-handed uh, form and just the fact that we've seen form like this do well here. Am, am I, uh, am I nuts to think that mountain bear might be able to, uh, to, to take out the more fancied stable mates in a spot? I, he wouldn't have made my shortlist personally, but I'm definitely not going to tell anybody that they're nuts um, if they can pick an angle out with some of these Aiden O'Brien horses. Um, just in the sense of, like, as we've just said, you know, we've just seen what he's done with horses that don't have an obvious profile for a Breeders' Cup race in the past, but he knows more than we do. And so the fact that if they're showing up in these races, that is of interest. Um, he, again, has got form that ties in with the likes of the best two-year-olds around um, over here in the UK anyway. Hartem and Iberian are two good two-year-olds that he's finished behind before. But on all known form of what we've seen of him thus far, I I think he'd have to step forward for me. For, I don't think he's in the same bracket as River Tiber or Unquestionable. Yeah, I mean, I totally get what you're saying on form terms. I suppose it's just that I feel like we've seen enough in the past of, of the other, other Euro type runners doing well, that I'm not willing to, to completely give up. Let's complete the O'Brien team with a discussion of a horse who came up a little bit earlier in uh, Johannes Brahms. 
Yeah, again, so I'm right in saying that he has the two entries. He's also entered in the dirt, I think, um, which I think would be unlikely. Um, he, again, was quite an early type. He won back in May, and then he ha he's just had the two runs since. So he's been lightly raced compared to the likes of a mountain bear or even an unquestionable. Um, and he's been campaigned very much at that sprinting trip. Um the Doncaster run was a much better form figure from him. But like I say, I for me, the top two for the Aidan O'Brien yards would be the River Tiber unquestionable gang. Yep. Um, the, I, I thought it was interesting that he had that. I don't know. Yeah, I, I, don't, I wonder what the thinking was behind giving him the dirt entry as well. I don't know. Yeah, that is interesting and, and something that maybe we can explore. But that is definitely the second preference not the uh, not the first, mm -hmm. so I, I think we can assume that uh, that he's gonna that he's gonna uh, turn up in in this spot. We must talk about Legend of Time. You mentioned the Appleby contingent, not quite as uh, deep and strong as in years past, but there was an interesting form boost for Legend of Time out of that uh, Tattersall Stakes uh, with with uh, some of the others that finished in close, going on to run well, and I think it was the Dewhurst. Um, I know our man uh, Michael Adolfson is quite keen on Legend of Time at at uh, at the current prices anyway i i was still uh, worried about the relative inexperience and the strength of those top two o'briens and then my wise guy o'brien but uh what do you think of legend of time is this a serious contender well it's serious because of who he's who he's trained by you know i think yeah. um obviously extremely lightly raced just a couple of starts and the debut win was over a mile and he couldn't back it up later in group company over the seven furlongs at Newmarket, but that wasn't a bad effort. Uh, he is a see the stars out of a Dane Hill dancer mare who's produced more staying types herself and was more of a middle distance horse. So the mile being the starting point of his career suggests that much further in time will be suited and teaming that up with the pedigree as well. So that just left me wondering with the limited evidence we have of Legend of Time, is a mile at Santa Anita going to be to his liking at this point in his career was the question. Yes, it, it is a very much of an open one. And I wonder what the market's going to do. Michael seemed to think that there was a chance because of the Appleby factor that the, the, the market might come for a runner like Legend of Time. I, I'm thinking this is one that could sneak off at a big price when all the money starts pouring in on the uh, on the O'Briens. Let's move to Saturday, Vanessa, and talk about the Philly and Mayor turf, a race that the market really has as a match between Inspiral and Warm Heart. Is that the way that you see it? And which one would you prefer? Uh, Inspiral, I think. Um, this is fascinating. Yeah, this is going to be really interesting. Um, very much British Champions Day's loss is going to end up being the Breeders' Cup gain because Inspiral will run here and Mostadaf will run in the turf. And both of them, for the Gosden Yard, were going to run on Champions Day and didn't because of the weather. So she missed Champions Day. She's obviously been campaigned as a miler. Instead, they're going to come here and up her in trip over the 10 furlongs. Um, she's always been a miler. She's never tried this trip and she's won five group ones at the mile. Um, she needs the good ground. Gosden seems very confident that the trip round here won't be an issue, which I, I'm, I'm in Gosden, I trust. Yes. Um, the, the angle with her is 
for all, like, how can you say about a horse who's won five Group 1 races that she's unreliable? But in my head, she I'm, I'm saying it, she can be a little unreliable. She disappointed in the Sussex States. Yes, it was like a monsoon that day, so you can write a line through that. She disappointed in the QE2 in 2022, and then she disappointed in the Falmouth in 2022 as well on Newmarket's July course. Again, when you say disappointed, when I say disappointed, you'll look and people will be like, what is she on about? She only got touched off ahead, but she went off one to seven against the very below par field that day. And she, she couldn't get it done for whatever reason. She's a horse who I think over time we've learned with her, she can be sparkling and then she can be she can throw in the odd disappointment. That is a fair comment to say. Yeah. The 10 furlongs is the most interesting element. But as I say, in Gosden, we trust. Um, and in Gosden, we trust that when she lines up, she's going to be in her good form, not her slightly trickier form, I think it's fair to say. And keep in mind, 10 furlongs, but they do start down the hill. And with the ground being as firm as it is, I really do not have any question about stamina for her. I do think you make an interesting point about, you know, that's an interesting form study angle when you can go back and find horses that have been beaten at short prices. There, It is hard to want to plan your entire wagering day around them. But I, I think she's, you know, she's for me one of the top 10 stars running at the whole Breeders' Cup. And I, I do expect her to run well. And ultimately, it sounds like you do too. But I, I do think you're wise to put that note of caution out there. Let's, we, we always love uh, animal and, and child interruptions on the show. Who do, we, who, do we, who do we have there? This is Rufus. Say hello. <laughs> there he is. The little lad. <laughs> little Jack Russell, yeah, the cutest little bean. He's cross because I'm prepping for the Breeders' Cup. Of course, not as many walks when you're when there's Breeders' Cup a prep going no, on. But we'll plow on. Do you see Warm Heart as the main danger? Um, do I see Warm Heart? Yeah, I mean she's been a bit of a revelation this season for Aidan O'Brien. She's just improved throughout. She's kind of been quietly um, just the big improver of the season. She won the last two Group Ones. She won the win and you're in at the Yorkshire Oaks at York's meeting. She won the Vermeer in good fashion after a very tricky start. Stumble coming out the stalls that day. Managed to get her act together and still win. That was both over the mile and a half. So she's dropping back down in trip, but. Um, this the Breeders' Cup was as kind of been voiced to them and very much on their agenda from kind of mid-season with this horse, which I thought again when they're flagging horses up from quite early on as as Breeders' Cup horses, I like that. Yeah. Um, she probably has shown her best over further, but there's no reason to think that ten furlongs will be an issue. She probably just hasn't had the right opportunity. So um, yeah, she's again, she's probably. She, yeah, I, I, she is Warm Heart's main danger in terms of what we're bringing over from Europe anyway. Um, and she's a very likeable filly, essentially. That sort of steady level of improvement has just been a really likeable angle for her. So I don't have a huge amount of negatives to say about her, to be honest with you. The step down and trip, but like I say, I, I'm picking holes, really. I don't think that'll be an issue. It's... I am team in spiral, but I will say this. The presence of in Italian and the fast pace she's likely to set could be great news for Warm Heart and could maybe, just in a scenario, test 
in spiral stamina. This could end up, even though normally I feel like the mile and a quarter at Santa Anita plays like, you know, closer to a mile than a mile and a quarter with a fast pace that could really bring warm heart stamina into play and test in spiral. And I, I think that's the scenario for warm heart to, to win. I think without an Italian in the race, I'd be concerned that this might be too sharp for, for warm heart, but I, but I that's do think, interesting. yeah, yeah I, think I mean, be good for you, you have a much better handle on Santa Anita as a track and who it's going to suit in terms of trip wise. So that is very interesting. The in Italian angle for sure. Win Marilyn has this. Now, this is a Japanese horse, but I, but I, I still wanted to get a quick take from you on on her as an invader. You know, has that one bit of form, the Hong Kong Vaz, that stacks up right with the pretty close can, to, the, to the fastest races that any of these have run. Do you have you are you across these Japanese runners yet, or is that something you're going to do? I, time I was on? literally going to say I can categorically tell you that the Japanese contingent is still on the to do list. Gotcha. So you can just park that one for the time being. We'll pick that one. Um, we'll, we'll come back. We'll come back. And it's to that. very much an important to-do list because, of course, they wherever they whatever they run wherever they run you internationally is is it's worth taking note of these Japanese horses and with having Equinox at the top of the world horse rankings and that sort of him being the real sort of showstopper from there. I just I find their runners very intriguing at the moment wherever they show up, as as I'm sure everyone does. You have to at this point. If you're not, you're not paying attention. I'll say that. Maybe we should move the conversation to Lumiere Rock then for Joseph O'Brien, a horse that uh, went close in the Prix de l'Opera. Yeah, yeah, she did. She's improved. Um, she is. I think she's Joseph's only runner, which which I'm a little surprised about. Um, she, I thought she looked a li little bit limited at the start of the season, but the cheek pieces uh, being applied have really revi not revitalised, but brought her form up a level since they put the cheek pieces on. Um, she's had an excellent couple of runs of late. She won a Group Two, and then she ran that very solid effort at Longchamp. This trip will be her ideal. Um, she she has got a lot of form with cut in the ground. I did wonder about the fast ground working for her. I think that's probably a little question mark in my mind with her. But again, is it more circumstantial that, you know, she's been running in Ireland when we've had plenty of rain? So, you know, has she just not had the opportunity? Do you see what I mean? Yeah, I mean, the Ribblesdale, that, that seems like an interesting form line to look at. But within two and a half to warm heart on that sort of USA style ground there. I guess my biggest concern about her is the length of the campaign. Um, it's not anything crazy, but compared to some of these, we know there's a bunch coming here like fresh mm -hmm. slash pointed to this race. Whereas Lumia Rock feels like one who would it surprise me if this three-year-old has just had a long season and, and doesn't show her best under these unfamiliar conditions. No, it would not shock me. No, I, I can understand that for sure. Um, going back to the cheat pieces point, I wouldn't necessarily have picked on up on that as obviously it's just that somebody I worked with Kevin Blake, who obviously worked with the Joseph Yard, and that was the sort of feedback from when she won with those cheat pieces on. Apparently the jockey just said that she he felt that there was like a whole nother gear there since that bit of headgear had been put on. So I thought that was quite interesting. Yeah, that is interesting. I mean the but definitely behind on on figures and form, but uh, you know, as we've said, the other other Euro angle 
has paid some dividends. And Joseph O'Brien, certainly no stranger to giant international successes. What about Ray Beckett's runner state occasion in here? Another one coming out of the opera. Yeah, a little rattle through the rest of them in here. Um, yeah, state occasion. She would need to step forward basically on what she's done thus far. She's got a listed winter name, um, but that form is definitely below what we're talking about, even in sort of Lumiere Rock's case, really. The recent Longchamp run was definitely um, quite promising. She ran on well that day and the fast ground would be a positive for her at Santa Anita, but a step forward would be needed from state occasion. And she's a five-year-old. So you ask yourself, like, is there a step forward there? You know? Yes, that is that. that is is there the required point. step forward there? Shall we move ahead to the Breeders' Cup mile? Yeah, for sure. So we've talked about horses pointed here versus horses for whom the Breeders' Cup is an afterthought. I wonder if Paddington isn't in the latter category. This was a horse midsummer. If you ask me which European runner I was most excited to see at the Breeders' Cup, I probably would have said Paddington, but uh, it's hard to support after what we saw the last day at British Champions Day. And I'm, I'm still wondering if he's even definitely going to show up in this spot. What do you make of Paddington at this point? Paddington, 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 Paddington. Look, he was like, the, like the, how could you not have sort of absolutely adored him at the start of this season? You know, when he goes on his winning run, he tops it off by winning a Sussex and Eclipse, a 2000 Guineas, a St. James's Palace. It's just group one after group one, week after week, you know, a heavy, hard campaign. And then, of course, he's been beaten the last couple of times. Now, that doesn't in itself, I'm not one of these people that a horse has to go unbeaten or anything like that. Of course, I know that it doesn't work like that. But the dis it, it was a real disappointment at Ascot. Now, obviously, we had the ground to contend with that day. Maybe there were other excuses in there as well. Um, I thought he looked well. I was there at Ascot. You know, he looked well in the paddock. Then he just got quite lit up in the race itself. That was focused on a little bit. But I was then under the impression that that was it, that he was going to be he was going to be shipped off to stud. That's what I thought was happening. There were there and were quotes to that effect. There were quotes yeah. to that effect. And now there's been this back and forward about whether he's going. So I, I I genuinely have no idea if Paddington is going or not. I don't have a firm answer on that. We'll find out soon. We've got people on the ground. Let me see. I actually sent a text this morning, but no uh, no answer yet to see if he's physically there. But, I mean, it sounds like you're with me at this point, probably one to bet against if he does turn up. I've been there. Yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't be with him. Definitely. In that, I, I, it, it's one of those things that it's not going to be a surprise because he showed himself to be so tough and consistent over the mile for uh, earlier on in the season. But, of like, how... You know, it's hard to be confident about a horse whose last performance was as bad as his was. Yeah, no doubt about it. And and then the narrative stuff, too, about, you know, again, the Breeders' Cup. There's a lot of terrific horses who've done the sort of Breeders' Cup afterthought who don't run anything like their form. And it doesn't damage them at all. It's just they, they, they view it. What Americans would call a free roll. What do you guys call? What do you call it? A shot to nothing? Shot to nothing. Yeah, yeah. So that's, I think that might be what's going on here. The current favorite, we're not going to hold your feet to the fire on yet. That song line, serious, serious form over in Japan. Interestingly to me, most of the books have Master of the Seas actually shorter than Maj of the Godolphin pair. 
I see it the exact opposite. I feel like from a condition point of view, Maj off that local prep race just has to improve. Master of the Seas, a horse I'm still not convinced isn't just seen to better effect over more galloping configurations like the run uh, at Ascot, like even the get more galloping run at, at Woodbine. I, I prefer Maj of that Godolphin pair. How do you separate those two? Yeah, probably quite an important race, isn't it, for Godolphin, actually, thinking about it, um, given that, as I mentioned at the top of the show, they haven't got the biggest and strongest team this year. Um, Master of the Seas, yeah, tricky to train, isn't he? I think that's been well documented now um, from the Charlie Appleby's yard. He's tricky to get right. He was meant to run in this race back in Del Mar, and he was a non-runner that day. Um, he missed a lot of last year. Then they took him to Woodbine, and then I thought that that would be it. And I actually asked around and the general consensus was that then we'd see him at the Breeders' Cup and he'd go there relatively fit, but with the race, the run under his belt. But then they ran him at Keeneland last time out. So that clearly wasn't the plan. Um, he go, he's got a record that's pretty good fresh. And now that box isn't ticked, if you see what I mean. It doesn't mean that he's not going to run his race, but I just not sure that he would be, he'd be the most straightforward to train and thus meaning he's not the most straightforward to back because he he's not ultra consistent, I think it's fair to say. Um, whereas you've got a horse like Morge, who this year obviously had the Maidan campaign, then won the 1,000 guineas, has had the whole summer off. And then she went to Keeneland, she won, that was off a break. It was a good performance. I mean, not only from the horse, but the trainer as well, over the nine furlongs making all. Then she had... There was a big question about whether she'd go for this or the Phillies and Mares, where yes. obviously she so it was either stepping up in trip or down in trip, but they've decided to go for the down in trip option, which I like. I, I'm with you. I think she's the biggest danger, probably from the front. Um, yeah, I, I can definitely see. I'm not going to put anyone off her, that's for sure. And, you know, again, for the uninitiated more than the hardcores, I mean, to have a thousand guineas runner, winner, running at the Breeders' Cup. I mean, this is a very big deal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she won that thousand guineas. And, you know, I was really looking forward. She beat that day to Hera, who then I, I was looking forward to the rematch that obviously didn't happen, um, which was a bit of a shame. But they pulled clear of the rest of the field. And, you know, she showed that day that I don't know that I think this I I think we might be underestimating her in a weird way, just yeah. because she hasn't got like the traditional European profile with that with that Maidan campaign. Is that fair? I do think that's right. Um, I, I think I think that's an excellent point, and definitely one that I'm I'm very much looking forward to to seeing and probably betting on when it comes to this uh, Breeders' Cup mile. We've got a couple more to talk about as well in the spot. Uh, Betting-wise, Kalina seems to be going with a single-digit odds chance with uh, with Sauturn as a bit more of a long shot. Yeah, Kalina was the one who won a con controversial uh, pre de la Forêt. It went to the stewards' room. That was when Kin Ross was in behind that day. That's over the seven furlongs. Um gets the mile and the good ground is a positive um every you know that that was the long shot meeting where the ground was kind of different to what was reported and everyone was saying it was quite a bit faster um has been caught wanting at the highest level before and did wonder if 
that may those same rules may apply again here over the mile. Yeah, that doesn't sound it doesn't sound wrong. Weirdly, Sauterne, I'm not seeing in the betting, but I see in the entries and and has the form that ties in nicely with uh, with, with Kalina. I mean, as 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 has has beaten her a couple of times. What what do you make of her chance if she runs? I don't think she is running, is she? Okay, maybe that's it. I mean, not in the betting, but in the I see in the entries, but maybe just didn't make the trip over. So we don't need to spend any time on that one as we move on to uh, the big one from the European perspective, uh, the way I see it. The turf, where personally, I mean, we have some very solid uh, horses in terms of up to the mark and warlike goddess who could certainly make the frame, but I also wouldn't be surprised if this is a European one, two, three. Very pleased to see a European uh, benefit. Yes. Well, that's what this race has largely turned into, with the exception of there are some exceptions of bricks and mortar a few years ago. And you can argue that up to the mark is the best American turf horse since bricks and mortar. But you can also argue, and it'd be hard to argue against, this contingent of Europeans is so much stronger than what um, bricks and mortar beat a few years ago. You know, we got some really Maybe not everybody we, that was rumored and everybody that we wanted to see, but an incredibly strong team. And it's led by uh, Auguste Rodin and Mostadaf. Uh, how do you separate those two, for starters? Well, very different horses and very different profiles. Obviously, one an older horse in Mostadaf and has been quite the revelation this season. And like in Spiral, Miss Champions Day, due to the weather, comes here now looking for a third top-level performance, uh, top-level win on the bounce off the back of um, winning the Jubmon International and the the Royal Ascot. Oh, my God. St. J. No. Prince of Wales' stakes. Goodness me, yep. Vanessa, come on now. Um, yeah, I mean, look, those those performances have been absolutely devastating, haven't they? Do you know, like the style in which he's done them, both in different styles. That's the thing with this horse is he's trip, track, ground, continent, jockey, condition, versatile. Like yep. uh, just these, he's done it under loads of different situations, and he's love the left-handed form, love the firm form. You know, those are the ones. Yeah, those are the Europeans historically. That is a bigger question mark, I think, that a lot of people give it credit for. You know, you can try to train them around a bend, but to be able to race around a bend and show that kind of you know versatility, I, I love it. Yeah, no, I can, I can see. There's very few holes to pick in Mostadaf. I think, you know, for me, he's Auguste Rodin is almost the more intriguing runner for me, whereas Mostadath is almost the more the safer bet for me, basically. Um, I've just like, how could you not have been impressed with him this year? And obviously, even earlier in the year, he chased home Equinox in the Shima Classic at Maidan. That was over the mile four that day. And then so he's taking on some three year olds in what looks like King of Steel. Apparently, he boarded a flight today to America, which is very exciting. Rumors have him going here, not the classic where he's crossing. Yeah, I think so. I think my guess would be with King of Steel after he won this incredible champion stakes on, at Ascot. Uh, on Champions Day with Frankie, my guess would be, and this is very much just a guess, but that the trainer would have been happy to have missed the Breeders' Cup altogether. Like mm -hmm. this is, it's a, it's a quick turnaround for a big horse who's won, put in a career best effort on heavy ground at the end of what has been a relatively long season. Um, 
and he's a horse for next year. It's not like they're retiring him. You know, he's going to stay in training as a four-year-old. So my gut instinct with King of Steel would be that the Breeders' Cup would be very important to the owner in Ammo Racing. And yep. they're very competitive and sporting people who would want to run. Whereas Varian being, I feel like he's a bit more of a reserved character. I wonder if he could have swerved it. But as a result, you know, he's on the flight. He's obviously come out of the race well. And I'm absolutely fascinated to see him out there training next week. Um, you know, it'd be a remarkable end to his year if he could finish with the champion stakes and a Breeders' Cup turf. I think there's a question mark about Santa Anita, the track with him. Tight turns. Um, is that what he wants? Don't know. That would be maybe a bit of a question mark. But they obviously he won on the inside track at Ascot when we last saw him. Then August Rodin has had this slightly strange year. Was such a talking horse coming into the year, and he's managed to win an Irish Champion Stakes and an Irish Derby and an English Derby. He won the Futurity as a two-year-old. Um, so all, they're all those are top flight wins for this horse. He's a very different type of horse to King of Steel, but of course he beat King of Steel at Epsom. But they have, you know, you'd, you'd be inclined to think King of Steel has progressed on from then. And of course he beat him uh, in the Irish Champion Stakes as well. So he's confirmed that form with him a couple of times. But he's more likely, I think, to appreciate Santa Anita than King of Steel. Um, so... I've linked back round how you introed this, that Auguste Rodin and Mostadaf are the most interesting European horses here. This horse, I just, I get like the, all the feels just looking at the Auguste Rodin PP cut because here you have, I mean, and also how cool is it that we have all these classic winners, all these, you know, great year for three-year-olds uh, stepping up at the Breeders' Cup between having all, all three of the USA ones, having Mosh, having Auguste Rodin. It's just so cool to, to have this that it, it, it excites me. And then, of course, you want to talk about bloodstock angles. I mean, the sort of uh, Coolmore dream, deep impact Galileo cross that Auguste Rodin represents. Mm. How important is that going to be? You know, how important is that those, you know, those intersecting Japanese and, and Irish bloodlines? There's just, there's so much going on with this horse. I love the Irish champion win for, for this, you know, that left-handed good ground win at Leopardstown. I really don't have any questions. I think he's a, just an incredibly, uh, incredibly sexy and fun contender, and I, I, I really have a lot of trouble, uh, a lot of trouble separating these two at the top of the market uh, for me. I can't. I, I'm, I'm gonna. We're gonna wait. We're gonna look at them in person next week, and, and maybe so. But there might be a lot of, you know, exotic USA bets where I just say one of these two has to win, and I, and I, and I leave it there. And, I, and in doing that, I'm absolutely running the risk of uh, leaving myself exposed to Ernesto, who in a normal year without this, you know, you talked about the European contingent overall, maybe not being as strong as some years, but I think the exception to that is this turf because it's loaded. And in a normal year, this Ernesto form would look pretty darn strong in here, but I don't know. I'm, I'm just, I'm having trouble thinking Ernesto is going to be able to, uh, to, to compete with, uh, with Augusto Rodin and most of that. What, what do you think? Yeah, I'd agree with that. Obviously, we haven't beat him in the Irish Champion Stakes, but then I think he did progress on from that to run that improved race behind Ace Impact in the Arc de Triomphe when we last saw him. Um, that was a bit more of a bounce back to kind of the form Ernesto was showing as a three-year-old up until 
the arc run anyway. I think his four-year-old campaign may have been deemed as a little bit disappointing because it hadn't really progressed on from what he'd done at three. I did wonder about the ground with him as well. All form has been on kind of typically French ground, although the good run on the arc, on arc day would have been on quicker ground, despite what it says in the book, as I keep reiterating, that yes. was faster ground. So actually maybe wipe out the Ernesto ground fear, but I just would worry that he probably isn't of the level of a fit and firing August Rodin, a fit and firing Mostadath, and now a fit and firing King of Steel. The August Rodin question I have to ask you, and this piggybacks off conversations we had about him earlier in the season. He, and we talked earlier about, you know, in spiral and horses that sometimes get, you worry about trusting too much horses who can get beat at short prices. He has a couple of uh, blots on the copybook in the form of, uh, and, and they were both uh, runs that, that involved shipping. Do you have any concern at this point about August Rodin's ability to ship? It's been a concern, yeah. I mean, we've spoken about it plenty. He, he shipped over for the guineas and he flopped in the 2000 guineas and then he shipped over for the King George and he flopped massively in the King George at Ascot. But then, of course, he's won an Epsom Derby. He's won a Vertem Futurity as well. Obviously, that has also involved shipping. Now, there is some discussions about how and which ways he's travelled to the UK and what's worked for him and what hasn't. I don't know the details, but all I know is that to get to America, he has to go on a flight. Obviously, he could have travelled by boat and horse box. I don't know... I don't know, like I say, I don't know what, what the details are about those those UK runs and what's worked for him and what hasn't. But all we do know is that if flying is an is an issue, well, flying can't be an issue because otherwise they wouldn't be they wouldn't be risking it. it wouldn't be here, he's, right. he's too much of a value, you know. Why yeah. would they? If they if they thought in any way that flying this horse to America wasn't gonna be an issue, they he would we wouldn't be talking about him in this race because they wouldn't take him. He's too important to them, as you've mentioned, because of the stallion, because of the breeding. They just wouldn't be doing that. So they obviously don't think that the flying is an issue, but it will be in the back of punters' minds that he has disappointed at short prices when he has shipped. One of the things we're going to be doing, one of your assignments and my assignments next week is to spend as much time looking at this horse as possible and try to get any sense of how uh, the journey has affected him. If you want to defend him, which I do, you could also say, I mean, certainly the guineas, I'm 100% okay putting that down to the ground and, and how boggy it was. I remember we watched, I think we watched that race together, uh, Kentucky yeah. Derby morning. And then what was the story with the ground uh, for the King George? Was that like super duper soft or unusual ground or is that ground he pretty much should have handled? I think that's ground he should have handled. I don't think it was like an extreme ground situation. What was weird about that King George run is he was quite worked up beforehand. He, I felt like he was got his, he got quite buzzy beforehand. Now they said they were kind of like, oh no, there was no excuses beforehand. There was no signs. But I did notice him in the paddock being quite buzzy. I do. I wonder if he just got his, uh, you know. You know, they're horses. Yeah. I wonder if he just got a bit worked up about something. Yeah, that's interesting. I love that kind of firsthand knowledge that you bring. One of the reasons it's so great to have you on these shows. I, I you know, I made the case. I tried to make a case for Broom last year. I, I don't think you can make a case for Broom. Yeah, I, I mean, look, you've got Bolshoi Ballet in there, Pisbadil and Broom. All, uh, I mean, Pisbadil's Donica's horse, but the other two are Aidan's. Both Bolshoi Ballet and Broom are sort of well-travelled international-type horses. 
Um, but I I don't think they're the focus points here, basically, to, ra no, to no. rattle through that. Yeah, I think that's right. And we do only have one other, We uh, you know, it should, well, really quick, should King of Steel uh, reverse form and uh, or reverse uh, course and end up in the classic? Do you give any count there? I would be confused if that happened. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I wouldn't I, I wouldn't be confident and I'd be confused if that happened. The the Japanese raiders seem like the ones to focus on of the shippers there, but we still, because of this weird TV schedule thing, have the, the turf sprint to talk about. And uh, we are running out of time. So on this one, I might just let you uh, just let you let you rattle through. But I guess Brad sells the one I want to make sure that we talk about. Yeah, well, there's Bradson and living the dream would be the big European sort of focus points here, I guess, or UK focus points anyway. Um, Archie Watson trains Bradsell, has had a bit of a hit and miss season. Luke Morris will be in the saddle. Um, Luke taking over from Holly because Holly Doyle is banned, which is very disappointing because she has a very good relationship with this horse, Bradsell, um, who's basically got the ability, isn't necessarily the most absolutely straightforward of rides. He won the King Stand over the five furlongs at Royal Ascot. He was beaten in the Nunthorpe. He was sort of not placed in an ideal part of the track that day. And that Nunthorpe was won by Living the Dream, who's going to be Adam West's first Breeders' Cup runner and Adam West, very small trainer from England. This will be huge for him. Uh, lots of people wanting this horse to back the Nunthorpe win up. Off the back of that, he's been over in America. He's raced already in Keeneland. He didn't win, but I thought he ran a very solid prep race. Didn't yeah. think he was by any means disgraced. He breaks well. He goes from the front. He's been in America a while. Fast ground is a positive. There's lots of things to like, but he's in there because he won the Nunthorpe, which is a win in your own race. And on all known previous form, that was a little bit of an out the blue performance. So it's hard to 100% believe that that's the horse he is all of a sudden, I think. 28 to 1 in the Nunthorpe. But I, I think you're right about the, the, the prep race in Keeneland being very useful. You know, we are going half a furlong shorter here and maybe... Um, maybe they learned something in terms of, okay, we do have the gate speed to clear, but obviously, mm -hmm. I mean, you know, sub 21 first quarter that day in terms of the sexuals. I mean, that was just, that was just too fast. I wouldn't count out living in, living in the dream at all in this spot. Another I'd put as one of my stars of the Breeders' Cup along with, uh, along with Brad Sell in this spot. I, I think, uh, I think the Europeans have a, have a shot. I mean, it's, it's going to be tough to tackle the likes of Motorious with the local form. Um, and then you have wonderful horses like uh, Big Invasion and Caravelle in here who are favorites. Yeah. On the podcast. But it's a, it's a heck of a race. What of the other Europeans? I mean, at least a quick word on them before we, we wrap this up. I think there's also Aesop's Fables in there for Aidan O'Brien, um, who's been very much campaigned as a sprinter this year and out and out sprinter and ran a good race in the Abbey behind Prin Highfield Princess. Uh, that was where he wore the blinkers for the first time, and that seemed to step his form forward. So that's interesting. Presume that if they run him here, they'll keep the blinkers on him. It was quite a messy race in France in the Abbey, in behind the winner. And it was like slightly hard to unpack that race. Just there was a few horses in there who were relatively unlucky. Um, he hasn't probably had his preferred good ground of late until that Nunthorpe run where he 
definitely ran a better race. Sorry, the Abbey run where he ran a better race on better ground. But then you go back to the Nunthorpe and he was beaten by living the dream that day. And he was a big price and ran, I think, last. I think he literally ran dead last. He's been better since, but is he good enough? I don't know. <laughs> not out of it. I mean, on form figures, not out of it. it, it with, with, with the in these kind of chaotic races, with the race right kind of trip. I mean, not one I'd be keying, but not one I'd be overly keen on. On certainly not one I'd be laying either at the kind of price that uh, Aesop's Fable is going yeah. to be in that spot. Uh, if I asked you to, and we'll get into more of this type of thing as we get closer. But uh, if I asked you to pick one European, you were most um, confident about. Um, running their race slash winning on the whole two days of the Breeders' Cup. Does one does one leap to mind? That I'd be confident about running their race or winning. I'm really excited about the two-year-olds. Like As we've discussed them, I think there's loads of interesting angles in there. Uh, but in terms of like confident that they're going to run their race and put up a decent showing, I think that crown would probably have to go to Mostadath. Mm -hmm. I think. Like, I, I get it, yeah. In terms of a horse that I'd be, if Mostadath doesn't run his race at the Breeders' Cup, I it, without a legitimate excuse of something going wrong or whatever, that would be one of the biggest surprises to me. <laughs> Great stuff, Vanessa. We got much more coming from you. Enjoy your trip over. Appreciate your time today. And we will be talking soon. Goodbye, Peter. Can't wait.